Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Stern challenge that what we are about as a body has to be God's glory. Come on, y'all got to help me this morning. I preach my guts out in, on, at, at the Bethany campus. I need you to help me this morning. I want you to understand that we are committed as a body to pursue and to access and gain God's glory. See, we stated it from the very beginning. Many of you weren't a part of that and have joined us since then, but I'm going to say it again. We want more. I don't want average services. I don't want average church. I don't want an average encounter with God. I don't want average worship experiences with God. I want more. We are committed to to gaining access to the glory of God. Now, you will remember last week that I told you that glory is never cheap. In fact, I just want to reissue the challenge. I challenged you last week that the, the currency that God's presence and His glory rides in on is prayer. And I've been challenging you that if you don't pray, we won't see the glory of God because the Bible very specifically says you have not because you ask not. Therefore, if we don't see the glory of God coming into our services, transferring into our lives, impacting our experience, then the reality is, is we don't have it because we're not asking for it. We must pray. And I said it like this and I'm still issuing the same challenge. I think I offended some folks. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. But if you are not willing to pray for this church, then why attend? Because if you don't pray for this church, you are guaranteeing that we will never encounter the glory of God. We want to usher the glory of God into our services, into our lives, into our homes. And the way it gets here is through prayer. We must pray. We must seek His face. And then I said the second thing is that not only do you usher in His glory with prayer, but you also secure His glory. You get it and you keep it by sacrifice. You Just because you've sacrificed, some of you may feel like, man, I've paid my dues. Let me just remind you that sacrifice gets the glory here, but it is also sacrifice that keeps the glory here. Just because you paid your dues and sacrificed in the past doesn't mean you are finished sacrificing. You've got to continue laying everything down at Jesus' feet and sacrificing to keep the glory of God present in our lives and in our church and in our body. And I told you third that you must prepare for his glory. Your preparation level reveals the priority level of God's glory in your life. I, I, we got to begin to prioritize a move of God. Boy, it's quiet in here. Are y'all here this morning? Y'all got to sleep in late today, all right? Wake up. It, we have got to come to this place where the glory of God is one of the number one, if not the number one priority in our life, and we go after God with everything that we've got. Now, here is the question. Why? Why is it so? See, I, I think I could probably say, we got to have the glory, and all of you would go, Amen. Yeah, I can say it's essential for uh, you individually and us corporately to have the glory of God. And you'd all go, amen. But unless you understand the why, then let me tell you what happens. Because I've seen it happen. If you don't know why we need the glory, when the going gets tough and things don't go the way you think they should go, 
then you will quit pursuing the glory. If you don't understand the why of glory, then once we have a few good services, you'll go, well, that's enough, and I don't really need any more, and you will miss the, you will misunderstand the why. You got to know the why. You got to know why we need the glory, because if you don't understand the why, then somebody that you put on a pedestal that falls or decides to walk away will discourage you to the point, well, well, I don't need it anymore. I'm so, no, you got to know why we're after the glory the way we are. You got to know the why because when we make some tough decisions as a body, how many of you know if you're at church for very long, there comes a day when you got to make tough decisions, right? If you don't understand the why, then that tough decision will d- d- distract you and disrupt you so badly that you'll say, I don't think I can pursue there any longer, and you will walk away. You got to know why we need the glory. Why do we need this thing called the glory? Well, I want to take you back today. To that worship service that I read to you out of last week. Perhaps the most powerful, significant, glory-filled service ever recorded in Scripture. And I want us to look because it reveals to us why we need the glory. In fact, what it really reveals to us is if we don't have the glory, we're wasting our time. And so I want us to get the why. Go back, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read to you the same passage, verses 1 through 10. And then here in a minute, I'm going to go a little bit further, some some passages that you're familiar with that we kind of bypass all this and go straight to because it talks about if my people who are called by my name, we know, we know that one. We always skip all this to get to that, and we'll get there. But you got to see why. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, there it is, you've got to usher in the presence with prayer. A bolt of lightning out of heaven struck the whole burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of God filled the temple. And the glory was so dense that the priests couldn't get in. So God so filled the temple that there was no room for the priests. And when all of Israel saw the fire fall from heaven, and the glory of God filled the temple, they fell on their knees, bowed their head, and worshipped, thanking God. Yes, God is good. His love never quits. Then the king and all of Israel worshipped, offering sacrifices to God. There's that sacrifice part again. King Solomon worshipped by sacrificing 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep at the dedication of the temple. And the priests were all on duty and the choir and the orchestra of Levites that David had provided for singing and playing anthems to the praise and love of God were all there. Across the courtyard, the priests blew trumpets. All, of his, all Israelites were on their feet. Solomon set apart the central area of the courtyard in front of God's temple for sacred use and there sacrificed the whole burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat from the peace offerings. The bronze altar was too small to handle all these offerings. This is how Solomon kept the great autumn feast of booths for seven days. There were people there all the way from the far northeast, the entrance to Hamath, to the far southwest, the brook of Egypt, a huge congregation. They started out celebrating for seven days and then did it for another seven days, a week for dedicating the altar and another for the feast itself, two solid weeks of celebration. And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, Solomon dismissed his congregation. They left rejoicing. They left rejoicing. Uh, They... They left rejoicing, exuberant over all the good God had done for David and Solomon and his people Israel. I said last week, no guts, no glory. Today I want to say this to you, no glory, no guarantees. How many of you like guarantees? 
Man, I, I like guarantees, man. You can guarantee me something. I guarantee you that car will never break down. I'll buy it, right? I, I, I guarantee you that uh, that uh, you'll never gain any weight. I'll take that one, too. I guarantee you that your hair will never fall out. Sign me up. I guarantee you that you will always get a raise every month. I Sign me up, right? I like guarantees. I like, I want to guarantee I want my white chocolate three pump white chocolate mocha well stirred i want to guarantee i want it to always taste like it always supposed to taste don't mess with it i want some guarantees right i want to say to you today that if we could ever get the glory of god in our church and in our body and in our families and in our homes there are certain things that are guaranteed to happen that's why it's so essential it's why we got to have it. It's why we will break our necks trying to get it. We will, we will sacrifice everything that we got to sacrifice as a church. I'm telling you right now, we will sacrifice and give up and move out of the way everything that we have to move out of the way to get to the glory of God because it guarantees us some things. The first thing it does is it guarantees us recognition and repentance. Now, now, stay with me, because I know church folk get nervous when you start talking about recognition. I want you to notice what happens. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, I read to you out of verses 1 through 3, that the Bible says that when the glory falls, here it is, it says this, when all of Israel saw the fire fall from heaven and the glory of God filled the temple, they fell on their knees. In other words, The glory of God was so present and so manifested in their midst that the entire nation turned and recognized that God was abundant in that house and they repented because of it. Now, let's go back a little bit. Most of you that have been in church very long know this, that when Moses delivered the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, most historians say there were probably close to 2 million Israelites that went out with him. Somewhere in that neighborhood. There's, there's a debate, was it a million, was it 2 million? I don't know. There were a bunch. All right? So therefore, now we are decades removed from that encounter, so the nation of Israel probably numbered in the multiple millions of people, right? But the Bible says that when they saw the glory of God fall, that the entire nation turned and recognized that God had arrived and they repented and worshipped. I would assume, can I use my imagination a little bit? Can I, uh, can I just read between the lines? I would almost guarantee you that there were people alive that day that really weren't interested in God very much. I would assume that there were people there that were probably had all their attention focused on the stock market. And it was a, you'll get that in a minute. It was a different kind of stock market. But, but they, they're, they're, in, see y'all are slow this morning, but you're worth waiting on. They're, they had their attention drawn to other things. They were distracted. They were disinterested. They really did. How many of you know that probably on that day there was a group of people in the nation that really didn't care anything about God or about a worship service or about church on that day? I mean, maybe they were into sports. Maybe they were busy on their Facebook. I I don't know. But they didn't really care. But God showed up to such a degree that they had to turn and recognize that God was there. Let your glory fall. 
See, because this is what I know to be a reality today is that we need the glory of God to so manifest itself in our church, in our body, in our lives that people will begin to recognize, even if they're disinterested, even if they're distracted, even if they're disenfranchised and don't want anything to do with God, our lives will be so marked by the manifested presence of God that they have to turn and recognize that there's something different about us. We need the glory. Can I say to you today that there are a lot of churches around Oklahoma City that are known for a lot of things. There are some churches that are in existence here in Oklahoma City in the metro area that are are recognized because they're slick. And there are some churches that are recognized in Oklahoma City because they're programmed. And there are some uh, churches recognized because they've got good music. And there are some churches that are recognized because they have good preaching. And there are some some churches probably recognized here in Oklahoma City because they can do a better Christmas play than the other churches. And there are probably some churches that are recognized because they have the best peanut brittle. I don't know. Uh, what, why, what I am saying to you is this. I, I don't want people to recognize us because of the fact that we're slick. And I don't want them to know us because we're programmed. And I don't want them to be recognized by the fact that we've just got good music and hopefully got good preaching. What I am saying to you is I want people to recognize what God is doing our, in our midst because of the manifested presence of His glory. So whether they are interested in God or not, there's a buzz that begins in the community around us. And they begin to say, man, there's something different going on there. Those people are different they act different they behave different they the glory of god see we don't i don't even know if we believe that can happen anymore i i think too many of us underestimate the power and the ability of god i just want to declare to you this morning that god can still grab the spotlight I want you to understand, I, I need you to come back to a faith level where you recognize that God and His power and His might can so show up in somebody's life and so show up at a church that people that don't give a rip about God will begin to hear and recognize, and here it is, and it will cause things to change in their life and they will repent. See, I, I'm longing for the day that when you show up at work, people begin to repent. I, I, listen now, I'm not playing here. I, this is this is where we really get down to rubber meets the road. This is what's got to happen. Our lives have got to become so marked by the glory of God. And what we encounter here corporately has got to begin to bleed over into your everyday life to the degree and such at a level that people that are around you at work and people that bump into you at school and people that don't even know you look at you and say, man, they're weird, but all I know is I'm drawn to the favor on their life and I want to know where they got what they got. That's glory. The Bible says that they recognized and they repented. I I just need to tell you this morning that I'm not against advertising. We've tried everything. We will continue to try everything short of sin to get people's attention and turn it towards God. We've tried TV. We've tried bumper stickers. We've tried billboards. We've tried yard signs. We will continue to try everything we can try. But I just want to say to you, I need you to understand that if we would just pursue His presence and get His glory here, that it will do more and be more effective than all of those things ever combined. 
the glory of God will produce more results than a million-dollar advertising budget ever could. The glory of God will be more effective than T-shirts and bumper stickers, although we will do them. I, I just need you to understand that it is the glory of God that causes people's life to be changed. I don't want average church. I don't want average worship. I don't even want an adequate amount of God. I want more. I want more of His glory. Because it will cause people to recognize and respond. How does that happen? We get His glory. Let me just tell you this morning. They were there for two weeks. They, they wouldn't miss it for anything. And yet every week we have people that trade in the eternal for the temporal. And they can miss it every week and not bother them. Because they don't understand. They're missing the glory. If we ever get the glory in the house, people will line up. And people will want to stay. And people wouldn't miss it for anything. The word for glory, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod, K-A-B-O-D. One of the translations of that word that means glory is weight. Like heaviness, weight. Like I picked up the weight. In other words, church shouldn't be light. You should feel the weight of His presence when you walk in. Before you walk in the doors, you ought to feel the heaviness of His presence. I, I just feel like there are way too many lightweight services where you felt nothing. Well, we don't operate on feelings. I understand we operate on faith, but you ought to be able to feel God. There ought to be this manifested presence that you can feel. I want Him to be here so strongly that what happens is the weight of God's presence weighs on us to the point that we can't do anything but fall on our face. I want us to get to the place where the glory is so strong that we walk in and hidden things come to light. We lay our drugs, our alcohol, our cigarettes on the stage and say, I can't stand this anymore because I feel the weight of His presence and I feel like i got to repent. I want marriages to walk in broken. And, and they are rectified and put back together because they feel the weight of His presence. You can't do that with a billboard. The only thing that accomplishes that is the weight of His presence. We must pursue His presence. We must get Him here. We got let, let me tell you where we got to get to. We got to get back to where Moses was in Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse fifteen and sixteen. Listen very carefully. This is what he said. He's talking to God. He says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. In other words, we can't do this by ourselves. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Listen carefully. Here it is. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In other words, what will distinguish you? I've got a passion t-shirt that distinguishes. No, everybody's got a t-shirt. Oh, I got I got a passion sticker on my car. I'm glad you do. But let me just tell you that's not what distinguishes you. What I am saying to you is if we could ever get the glory of God manifested in every service, get the glory of God where it transfers and manifests in our households, in our attitudes, in our face, in our, uh, in our mouth, if we could get the glory of God to show up like that, that is what is supposed to make us different than everybody else. Moses said, that's what distinguishes us. So, what will distinguish us? Uh, 
you know, we can get the leadership together, and we'll, you know, we we probably need to get us something catchy. If we could just come up with something catchy, we'll catch people's attention. You know, I think we probably need to get a ploy. If we work hard enough, we got some pretty smart people around here. We could probably come up with some ploy. Maybe a gimmick. I'll tell you what we need. We need a gimmick. If we could get us a gimmick, we'll probably pack the place out and people will be standing in line like they did on Black Friday and they'll just be beating the door and pepper spraying people to get in here, right? We just need a gimmick. The only problem with that is that, and I'm, listen, we'll try everything, but, but let me just tell you, the only problem is, is if you start down the gimmick, the ploy, the catchy thing, then you're competing with the brightest minds in the face of the planet. Like, you're competing with Budweiser because they're pretty slick. And you're competing with, I don't know, Walmart, any of them. They're, they're spending multiple millions of dollars and doing all kinds of studies and research to what catches your attention. Can I tell you that we don't need a gimmick? We need the glory. If we would just get the glory, the reason people don't recognize is because we don't have God, let your glory fall. Let your glory invade our lives to the place that people recognize and then the response happens. They bow their knees in repentance. I'm just convinced of this. If an entire nation, those that were interested, those that were disinterested, those that were distracted, those that were focused, those that were apart, those that were disenfranchised, if all of them, because of the level of the glory that was present, turn and recognize and worship and repent, then surely God is still big enough to do something in our lives that would cause everybody we come into contact with to turn and recognize they're different, there's something distinguishing about them, and I want what they have. The second guarantee is this. They were guaranteed God's Ears and eyes. Over the last month or so, I've elevated my challenge to you to be a people of prayer. I I need you to hear me this morning. I want us to be a people of prayer. However, I do not want us just to pray to be praying. I don't want us just to pray because that's what Christians do and that's what churches are supposed to do. Unless you've got a special prayer meeting called once a week, then you're really not a church. So that's what we got to do. We got to pray. Listen, I I would rather us become a people who pray and are guaranteed an audience and an answer. His glory guarantees that we are heard and that we are seen. I didn't read this to you. I'm going to read it to you now. It's verses 11 through 16. Listen very carefully. See if you can catch the connection. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, Listen, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as the temple for sacrifices. Here it is. When I shut up the heavens where there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Here it is. Now my eyes will be open, guaranteed, and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Did you catch it? 
when His glory moves into our lives, we will repent. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Y'all know the verse. If my people are called by my name, will humble... Come on now. It, his glory always re- produces repentance in our lives. And repentance always produces an audience. God always responds to genuine repentance. Maybe we don't have repentance because we don't have glory. Because if there was glory, you can't help but repent. And if you repent, you can't help but have your prayers not only heard, but answered. We need the glory of God so that it will produce repentance, but we also need the glory of God so that when we do repent, we are heard and seen by God and our prayers are answered. And God begins to move on our behalf. See, I, I, I've, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I've been part of church, churches, a lot of churches that pray. But I've also been a part of a lot of churches that seem to pray and never get through. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me this morning. I've been to a lot of churches that fill their services with prayer, but never seen their church filled with answers and have never seen their church filled with the demonstration of God's power. And so this morning, I have been asking you, I, I just want us to move into a new realm. I've been asking you, are you praying? Are you praying? I've been challenging you. Are you praying? I want to change the question. I want to begin asking you this. Are your prayers being answered? I, I want you to pray. And I've elevated the challenge. Come on, let's become people of prayer. But let me just tell you where I really want to get to. I want us to become a people that are people of answered prayer so that when we come together, we don't just say, are you praying? We begin to say, have any of your prayers been answered? And all the hands go up and we go, my prayers are being answered. I've been praying for my my nephew to get saved for 20 years and he got saved. I've been praying for my, my son and daughter's relationship to get right and suddenly their relationship is restored. I've been praying... Answered prayers. It's not enough just to pray. Every Christian prays. Or they should. I want us to see where we come to this place where we begin to testify again of the fact that God's glory is so evident and so pronounced in our life and we have such a guaranteed audience with Him that now we begin to see Him actually do what we've been asking Him to do. Answers and power and miracles hinge on one thing. Glory. If we could ever get His glory, then I know people are going to get healed and I know people are going to get set free and I know people are going to get saved and I know people are going to have needs met because His glory does that in our lives. And then the third thing that glory guarantees is this. Glory guaranteed joy. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 7 through 10 talks about the fact, I read it to you, I kind of emphasized it, I guess. It says, they left rejoicing. They left rejoicing. They were exuberant. They were excited about all the good that God had done in their worship service. But I want you to notice this. 
it transferred into their daily life. They left the worship service and they still had joy in their hearts. They actually took the joy home. And what I am saying to you is if we would ever corporately get the glory, then we would corporately have joy. But it would transcend from corporate joy to individual joy. And the joy that you experience here would begin to invade your private life. Uh, let, let me bring it to you like this. Moses, the Bible says, sees a little of God's glory and he begins to shine. You remember? He, ve- he put a veil all over his face because... We think it's because he didn't want people to see that he was so bright. If you go on and read and study, what you discover is he put the veil over his face because he didn't want people to realize that the glory was diminishing on him. He was actually beginning to fade. And I wonder how many of us veil up every Sunday. We come up in here and we worship and act like we've got joy. And then we put a veil over our face because we don't want anybody to know that our joy ends as soon as we get out in the parking lot. What I am saying is if we would become consistently exposed to glory week in and week out, that that joy would transcend into our daily life. Let me just tell you this morning, if what you do on Sunday morning doesn't impact and doesn't invade your Friday, then something's wrong. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that you ought to shine after church, but you ought to keep shining. I see way too many dull, lifeless joyless believers you're happy here but on monday you're a beast and your co-workers have no glimpse no idea that you spent sunday morning in the glory because by the time you get to work tomorrow morning you are a bear and nobody wants to be around you and what I am saying is that you ought to become so exposed to the glory of God that it ought to transcend our Sunday morning and it ought to impact your face and your attitude on Monday morning. I am saying that your children ought to see the same attitude in you tomorrow that they saw during worship today. I, I'm just saying that, that the joy that you encounter here ought to show up on your Facebook because what I've discovered is that many of you can worship in here and you're excited in here and you got joy and you're smiling in here. And around about 8 o'clock tonight, the negativity will begin to flow. And my life is bad. My friends are bad. My dog is ugly. My, my car won't work. Uh, and I know we all go through tough times, but I'm telling you that the Bible tells us that if we would just let the glory invade our life, it would carry out so that we don't walk out of here and go somewhere and act like somebody that doesn't know anything about His glory. His glory would so fill our life that we refuse to give anybody the one-finger salute because they cut us off. We'll go to McDonald's and they may get my order wrong. They didn't guarantee me anything. They got it wrong. And I can still behave and act like a Christian and act like somebody that knows something about God instead of being a jerk. If all we do is put on a show here, then something is wrong. Let me just say it like this. Maybe it'll drive it home. Your your joy level reveals the glory level you're exposed to. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's our assignment. We're going to help each other. Spouses and children and aunts and uncles and grandparents and friends and acquaintances and people on the other side of the room that you don't even know. Brothers and sisters. We've got to help each other.
we got to begin to hold one another accountable for our joy level. That means this week, when you drive up into the drive-thru and one of these other folks that you may not even know that well is standing inside and they hear your attitude over the loudspeaker, you pull up to the window, they're going to catch your attention and they're just going to mouth, Glory check. That means tomorrow morning I need some parents to roll into their kids' room about 7.30 when they're supposed to be getting up from school, getting uh, getting ready for school. I just need you just to flip on your on their light, just walk in and yell, Glory check, as loud as you can and see if they can get up with a good attitude. I need I need some I need some kids with all love and respect when mom and dad are battling it out in the living room like cats and dogs. You just walk in, look at them and go, Glory check. Turn around and walk out. I need somebody on Facebook. When you see one of your brothers and sisters drag off into the negative deep end, you don't do it publicly. You private message them and just simply say, glory check. We have got to hold one another accountable for our joy levels because it is our joy that should distinguish us, that should mark us. What separated them from everybody else was the fact that they had the joy of the Lord. Full of unspeakable joy and full of hmm, I used to sing that when I was a kid full of unspeakable joy and unspeakable joy and full of glory they're connected when you experience and encounter the glory of God it will produce unspeakable joy in your life I am desperate for the glory of the Lord in our services and in our body so that it will rub off on your life and people will begin to talk about us and say, they're crazy. They're either high or they're crazy. Something's wrong with them. They can go through terrible things and do it with a great attitude. How does that happen? My car breaks down and I want to kill everybody. But man, their car breaks down and they just smile. They don't like it, but they smile. My boss acts like a jerk and I want to go take him behind the building and hurt him. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.